Today, the message is going to be directed towards the youth, and certainly it's going to be a message that we can hopefully all learn from. So today we're going to be talking about who we keep company with. You know, that is an important thing to consider, and it's, you know, we think about the youth and, and the church, and it's really good to have young people in God's church. And it's good to be able to work with them and encourage them and instruct them. And that's what we should be doing as members of God's church and also as parents and grandparents. So today, again, we're going to be talking about what company do we keep? Does it have an influence on us? Does it have an influence on our behavior? Well, let's go back to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, if you will, with me. If we'll go back to 1 Corinthians 15, and Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he says, do not be deceived. So he's making a point right away, something for us to think about. Do not be deceived. Evil companionship corrupts good behavior. So Paul makes it known here that the company we keep the companionship we keep, if it's evil, it can corrupt us. It can corrupt our behavior. So there's a lot of things we can keep company with that we should be keeping company with. But again, in this message, we're going to be talking about people we choose to keep company with and the effect and influence it can have on us. Because certainly we don't want our good behavior, the things we've been taught, the things we've been instructed in from our parents and from God and his word to be corrupted in any way. Let's go back now to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. We're going to start in verse 14. Paul writes here, Do not be unequally yoked. So when I think about yoked, I think about animals. So when you take a couple of horses that are of equal ability, equal strength, and they work together, you know, they can get a lot accomplished. But then you think about maybe putting two animals together that don't work well, that aren't of the same mind, aren't of the same ability, and aren't, aren't working together, it's a problem. So he says here again, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It says, for what do righteousness and lawlessness have in common? So right, trying to live life righteously and correctly before God versus lawlessness, what do those two things have in common? Well, they don't. And what fellowship does light have with darkness? Well, they don't have any fellowship. They have both of them different purposes. And what union does Christ have with Belial? Well, he has none. With Satan and the demons and that way of life, Christ has no union with them at all. Or what part does a believer, again, Paul talks about here, have to do with an unbeliever? And what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? You know, for those who come before God to worship and honor God and praise God, and for those who go before idols, things that are created by man. What 
agreement is there between those two thoughts or those two ideas? He goes on to say here, for you are the temple of the living God, exactly as God said, I dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out of the midst of them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you. So, yes, we want to be received by God, and as God says here, come out of that. Don't touch the unclean. Don't have a part in that. Verse 18, and I shall be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And that's that's the purpose of the calling. And being in God's church is we look forward to being spiritual beings, sons and daughters of God. So we see what was talked about here by Paul. There's two different minds here. There's two different ways here. So we don't want to have union or fellowship or companionship with those that are of a different mind or a different way. Well, one thing it's important for us to remember, and especially the youth, people have an ability to influence other people and to influence certainly their behavior. And you know, some people are very persuasive in how they do things. So we're going to look at maybe, in my opinion, the most strong example of of a persuader that there is, and that's Satan the devil. Let's look back at Revelation 12 to see what happened and what he did. Revelation 12. In verse 3 of Revelation 12, and it says, And another sign was seen in heaven. And behold, a great red red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. And it says his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to deliver so that he might devour her child when she gave birth. So what I want to bring out here is Satan the devil. Now, we know at one time he was Lucifer, and he was a covering cherub, and he was beautiful in how he was made. He was perfect, a creation of God, and he had a purpose. But at some point, he changed. He looked to himself as something special. He wanted to set his throne up where God's throne was. He was corrupted. And somehow he was able to draw away one-third of the angels, this covering cherub. How did that happen? Here are all these angels that knew God. Knew God was the creator. Knew God was a God of love. They also knew God was a God of power and a God of truth. But somehow Satan was able to persuade those angels to follow him. And they rebelled against God. And they were held accountable for that. So we know Satan, he is a deceiver. And he's the father of lies. And he has a way of persuading. And there's a power behind this on earth today. 
the same power exists through and works through people. This power of Satan, this demonic spirit. And we all struggle with and fight against this. And so do our youth. But the point is here, we can't underestimate that power and how persuasive it is as it works against the young people, even in the church. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. I'm going to read verse 11 of Ephesians 5. Paul writes here, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So when we see things go on that we know are unfruitful works of darkness, we want to expose those things. We want to, in our minds, understand what they are and where they come from and what they're motivated by. We don't have anything to do with it, right? We want to get away from it. So, yes, we want to be aware of it and expose it. But the most important thing is we have no fellowship with it. We get away from it when we see it. Let's go back to what Peter says now in, in uh, 1 Peter. If you'll go back with me there, 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to start in verse 1. He says, consequently, since Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, because the one who has suffered in the flesh has finished living in sin. And yes, we're going to suffer in the flesh. As we follow God and Jesus Christ and try to live their way, as those members of God's church and also as the youth in God's church, if you try to live God's way, you're going to suffer in the flesh. Christ suffered in the flesh. Let's read about that. I want to go back now, if you would, with me to Hebrews. And I'll just say this as we read through this in Hebrews. Remember, Christ knows what it's like to be flesh. So Hebrews, the second chapter, and I'm going to read verse 16. It says, for surely he has not taken upon himself to help the angels, but he has taken it upon himself to help the seed of Abraham. And if we're Christ, we're Abraham's seed. He's taken it upon himself to help us, but he's also taken it upon himself to help the youth in the church because he wants the youth to also be successful and to follow him and God. So reading on, it says, for this reason, it was obligatory for him to be made like his brethren in everything. He was made like us in everything, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God in order to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered, having been tempted in like manner, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So remember this. All of us, and especially the youth we're talking to here. Christ knows what it's like to be a child. You know, he was instructed by God. He was woken up by his father every day, and he was instructed. He knows what it's like to live in the flesh as a child. Christ knows what it's like to live in the flesh as a teenager. 
He knows what it's like to live in the flesh as a young adult and on to adulthood. So Christ knows what it's like. And he sits at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us. So for all of us, especially the youth, remember that. He knows, Christ knows. And when you pray to God and ask for help, Christ is there to help you. So let's go back to Peter, because I want to finish up what it says there in Peter. Peter 4, now let's go to verse 2. And it says, to this end, that we no longer live... uh, that he no longer live his remaining time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the past time of our lives is sufficient to have worked out the will of the Gentiles when we ourselves walked in licentiousness and lust and were uh, debauched with wine, carousing, drinking, and wanton idolatries. And this was, you know, for a lot of people who were called into God's church and repented and who were baptized, That was part of their past lives. It no longer is. Now going on here, it says, and seeing this difference in your behavior, they are astonished. And that you do not rush with them into the same overflowing debauchery, and they revile you. So yes, for the young people in God's church, um, it's difficult at times. Because you're not running and you're not keeping company with those people who act and behave in that way. You're being separate from them. And sometimes you're going to find yourself, just like those of us in the church, you're going to find yourselves reviled for that. And they may look at you like you're no fun because you don't do the things that we do. And sometimes as adults, it's the same thing. People look at us like, You're not somebody we want to be with because you don't participate in what we do. But that's what we are as Christians and as youth in the church. We have to be separate from those things. And yeah, as I said, it sometimes will be reviled for that. And it's tough for young people growing up in the church. I know that because I grew up in the church myself. But just remember, turn to God for help. Turn to God for help because Jesus Christ is there at his right hand. Well, I want to turn back to Proverbs now. Because I want to go over something that's brought out in the Proverbs. So if you would, turn back to Proverbs with me. So I'm going to make a statement here. As we start to read in Proverbs 7. There can be consequences for keeping companionship with people you shouldn't. Having evil companionship, as Paul mentioned, there can be dire consequences for that, for the youth in God's church. Let's read what we see here in Proverbs 7. It says here, My son... Keep my words and store up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live, and keep my law as the apple of your eye. So this is an instruction from a father to a son, admonishing them, keep the commandments, store them within you. 
remember them. Let them be the apple of your eye. Let them be something that's important to you. You know, by doing this, we're able to have good behavior. By having these things, we're also able to expose and understand what the evil is. It says, bind them upon your fingers, write them upon the tablet of your heart. They need to be internalized, God's word, God's commandments, God's way. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. A sister, somebody you want to keep companionship with, a family member. And call understanding your kinsman. This is who we want to keep company with. Wisdom and understanding that comes from God and his word. And why? Why do we need to do this? It says, so that they may keep you from the wanton woman and from the stranger who flatters with her words. So we're kept from that. We're kept from those who would like to draw us away or deceive us. Introduce us to things we don't need to be a part of. Now going on here in verse 6, it says, For at the window of my house I look through my lattice. So this picture this. Someone standing there, looking out, observing something that's getting ready to happen. And I'll just point out right now, for all of us, God knows. God looks down from heaven and he knows all the time what's going on in our lives and what we're doing and what we're participating in. You know, we can't hide anything from God, right? He even knows our thoughts. Right? There's nothing that can be hidden from God. Reading in verse 7 here, it says, And I saw among the simple ones, among the youths, a, a young man with no understanding. So here was somebody that wasn't using wisdom, wasn't using understanding, and they were being watched. What are they going to do? Okay? Passing through the street near her corner. This person that's going to be trying to draw this person in. And he went the way to her house. It says here in the twilight, in the evening, in the black, and dark night. So he's someplace he shouldn't be. Right? At a wrong time to be there. And you know, when you get in a frame of mind where you start participating and keeping company with things you shouldn't be and people you shouldn't be, what happens is, is you forget. You forget that God knows and that God's watching, and you get in a mind of nobody will know. Nobody will see. There won't be a consequence for this. Well, that's not true. There are consequences for wrong actions. So I'm not going to read all of this, but I'd like to go ahead now and, and go on down to verse 21. It says here, as we talked about earlier, what happens? With much alluring and seductive speech, she caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips. She induced him. 
He goes after her immediately like an ox goes to the slaughter or like a fool to the correction of the stocks until a dart strikes through his liver and a bird hastens to the snare and does not know that it is for his soul. So how sad is this that this, what's being depicted here, this young man decides to go and join company with someone he shouldn't. And then immediately, it's a snare that he's fallen into. And there's a wound that comes from this. And I can tell you, growing up in the church and seeing a lot of young people grow up in the church, many have taken wounds. Many have fallen into snares because they chose to keep company with someone they shouldn't have. And they got corrupted by it and suffered and went through a lot. So again, the point here is there are consequences by keeping company with someone you shouldn't be. Verse 24, it says, Hearken unto me now, O you children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not go astray in her path. For she has cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to the grave, going down to the chambers of death. So remember this example. Again, of what evil companionship can do to you. It can have an effect. You know, and sometimes just one experiment, one, can be life-changing and life-altering. And maybe it can lead to the loss of life. And remember, Satan is behind a lot of these things. When we start entertaining things we shouldn't, or we start keeping company again with people we shouldn't, Satan has snares out there. So we have to be mindful of who's behind a lot of this and be very careful. Well, I want to bring out a couple of things here to take note of. And one is people can change. You know, and I experienced this in my life. So I, growing up in, uh, in the church and, and being in school, you know, and in high school, I had friends that I associated with and had good relationships with. Well, you know, as I started to get older, probably around the age of 16, a lot of the friends I had in school, they began to change. They began to participate in things that they shouldn't have been participating in. So I had to make a choice. Was I going to go along with that? Was I going to participate in those things? Or was it a time for me to separate from my friends? So thankfully, with God's help, and because I had received instruction growing up, I made the decision to separate myself from that. And God blessed me for it. And I made new friends and other friends in school that didn't participate in those type of things. So, yes, they noticed, as we read back there in Peter, my behavior was different, right? And I can't say they reviled me, but they noticed my behavior was different. And so there was a 
separation there that needed to happen. So the point is, again, be mindful, all the youth in the church, and for all of us, people can change. And when they do, we may need to do something. Something else I want to bring out, too, for the youth within the church. And not everybody within the church, and I'm talking about particularly youth, may be like you. Now, I'll give you an example for myself. I went to one of the youth summer camps called SAP in the early 80s, and there was a lot of kids in the church. And when I got up there to the camp and started meeting a lot of the kids, I started to find out a lot of the kids uh, in the church were doing old things they shouldn't be doing. And it was kind of eye-opening some of the things the youth were involved in. But my point here is not all the youth in the church may be doing the things God wants us to be doing the things you've been instructed in. So pay attention to that. Be mindful of that. You know, don't get discouraged over that if you come across that. But if you find young young people within the church that aren't walking as you walk, you need to separate from them because you may come across that. Let's see what Paul writes about this in Romans, the six, uh, 16th chapter. Romans 16, verse 17, and this applies to all of us in the church. That's why Paul wrote this. It says, Now I exhort you, brethren, to take note of those who are causing divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine you have learned. And the doctrine we learned comes from Christ. It says, And shun them. Because these are the sort who are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies and are deceiving the hearts of the innocent by smooth talking and flattery. So yes, we, we got to take note of those sometimes that aren't following Jesus Christ and walking after him. But again, what they're involved in has to do with things that they're motivated to do of themselves, right? And a lot of times, through their words and their persuasions, they're deceiving many, as it says here. So we have to take note and we have to shun and separate at times from, from people like that. Even in the church. So I, I think, uh, you know, myself in the millennium, this is going to be used in millennium. People who aren't behaving properly and, again, living God's way, they're going to be shunned. And they're going to figure out pretty quick, hey, why won't anybody have anything to do with me? And they're going to learn it's because you're not following God and living by God's law. That's why. And you need to correct that and repent. But nonetheless, those who are walking this way and are refusing to change and repent, we don't want to have anything to do with them. And so for the young, again, the youth in the church, you may come across this where you may have to part ways with people. I want to go back now to Psalm, the 37th chapter. And for all of us, and especially now the youth in the church, you need to continue to look to God. 
You need to continue to look to God's way. You need to be thinking about promises that God has for you, for the youth. So in Psalm 37, in verse 1, it says, Do not fret yourself because of evildoers, and do not be envious against the workers of iniquity. And I sometimes we look around, and I know the youth do, and you see this world and what goes on in this world and what people are participating in and doing. And sometimes uh, we become envious of what others are doing and how they're rewarded and all the, the luxuries they have and and the recognition and the things, again, go on in this world. And we can become envious and envious of these things and we can fret over these things, but we shouldn't do that. Because it goes on to say here, it says, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. It's temporary. Right? There's nothing to these things in God's eyes. But it goes on to say here, the important thing for all of us is trust in the Lord. And do good. Dwell in the land. That is the land God's in. Dwell on that land and cherish faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Remember this. Keep companionship with God. Keep companionship with God's way. That'll make sure you have good behavior and there's blessings that come from that. Keep this companionship. Commit your way into the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. You know, you will not be corrupted in any way if you keep companionship with God and obey God and stay faithful. And as it says here, God will give you, youth, the desires of your heart. He'll bless you for being faithful and keeping companionship with him. Remember that. Let's go back to 2 Timothy and see what uh, Paul told Timothy. Now, Timothy, he grew up in the church, you can say. He had, he had a grandmother in the church. He, his mother was in the church, and Paul, Paul knew him from the time he was younger. Let's see what Paul wrote to him in 2 Timothy 2 in verse 22. So, Timothy was kind of like a son to Paul. He treated him like a son and and instructed him like a son. And obviously from the writings of Paul to Timothy, Paul thought very highly of Timothy and what he was doing. But he says here in verse 22 of 2 Timothy 2, he says to Timothy, but flee youthful lusts. And when you're young, you have lusts. There's certain things you want to do and participate in. And some of these things probably aren't good for us to be doing. So he says here, flee that. Get away from those things. Youthful lusts. But he says here, what to do? He says, pursue righteousness. Right? Faith. Love. And peace. With those who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. So pursue these things. Do these things. 
these contribute to good behavior, right? With those who are calling on the Lord, with the same ones who are doing these things. So young people, and for all of us, let's keep company with the people who are doing what we're doing, the people who are trying to build the mind of Christ and live God's way and calling upon the Lord. That's who we want to keep companionship with. That'll go a long way in helping us. Let's go back to Psalm 119. In verse 63, and we started in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and this is a good scripture to go along with that. It says here, I am a companion of all who fear you, right? And of those who keep your commandments. And this is all we need in the church. We all need to be companions of each other, but we all need to be of this mind, those who fear God, those who keep God's commandments. And for the youth, you need to be companions with the same. Young people who are striving to do what you're doing. So let's remember then, all of us, to have good companionship, to have companionship with God, to have companionship with Christ and to have companionship with all those who are striving to obey God and live a way of life that pleases God.